Welcome back into the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. This is the national edition of our program. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, all here in the next hour. Once again, let's acknowledge our friend south of the border, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which meant uh, afternoon games including one played by the Vancouver Canucks, losing in a shootout. This game finished, I think, when we just started. Um, but the final score, 4-3. Is Vancouver can't win them all. Well, pretty close, but they had a rough ride, right? They were from Buffalo. They're, they sent their gear to Toronto. They stayed here, I think, and then went to Columbus. They've had a bit of a runaround. Maybe if they had Quinn Hughes at center, they would have won. <laughs> forgot about that. Well, wherever you are, Sportsnet, uh, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. We're glad you're aboard. This hour of Real Kipper and Born brought to you by Bet365. In a few minutes, we'll welcome in Gary Galley, former NHLer, Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada, as he is in Montreal teeing up the Colorado Avalanche and the Montreal Canadiens. General Manager Kent Hughes also met the media today. We'll talk about that in our news and notes. But uh, six games completed, Sammy, up until now? Or we still have uh, a few in progress? I think L.A. Five five done. Five done. L.A. and Carolina are playing right now, and it's 1-1. The Sabres beat the Sharks. Boston beat the Devils. CBJ got past Vancouver. I'm doing a scoreboard here. I beat Florida and Pittsburgh beat Seattle. Florida was up 4 2 and ended up losing 5 4. Just call me the Raj, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And how are Buffalo Bills doing? By the time someone shovels and finds their seat, this game could be over. I mean, what a workout to get to your seat. Still 7 zip. So there you go. But uh, you mentioned McKinnon playing on uh, Monday Night Hockey tonight in Colorado. Guys, he is a absolute animal he is at this point of the season uh i would vote for him for the heart trophy he is my guy so so dominant like he i think he only ended up with a golden assist in that game against the leafs but watching him play i talked about this on Leafs talk a little bit like just made me less worried about best on best you know people are like oh canada the america wins one world juniors they're like we're the best now and it's like you don't have that (laughs) mcdavid mckinnon like like, yeah yeah that's the thing it's like he's not even our best guy and he's (laughs) unbelievable yeah so he he really like he pulls the game he has such a gravity just like he's so fast he's so big and strong so passionate what a player saturday night the leafs jump to a three nothing lead and i can only imagine what that dressing room intermission was like for that team and i appreciate jared bednar as a good coach a stanley cup champion coach yep but nate mckinnon in that room would have had a bigger impact on the next 40 minutes than their head coach that guy is the most intense guy out there. Connor's up there. Connor's a little sleepier in terms of people understanding how intense Nate McKinnon is. Mm-hmm. But he leads the charge on guys, teammates maybe, <laughs> being yeah. nervous around him. You remember the to- whole chickpea pasta thing? Guys were like, this guy's nuts. Nuts. Love that. Nuts. But, but it works. Like, there's no question he, 
the impact he had you can't, in that dressing you room. You can't teach what he has in terms of that just internal. I don't know what it is. It's yeah. a intensity, nastiness. There's just something about him that's just quintessentially Canadian hockey. It's, that's what it is. It's just he is, yeah. he's what it is. I, I watch him play, and I'm just so blown away. And then you watch his – he may not even be the best Canadian on his team. Like, Kale McCarr is the puck in the stick the whole game. Yeah. It's – those two together are incredible. It is January 15th. In the month of January, the Avalanche have beat the Islanders, the Dallas Stars, the Boston Bruins, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Toronto Maple Leafs this month. Yeah. Pretty good. Love them. And just an overall threat uh, to score, to pass, uh, separation speed. Like, there's nothing that this guy cannot do with power and intensity that even exceeds Connor. McDavid, well, if you go when to, it comes to sheer power. Yeah, if you go to the NHL's like edge data, do speed bursts, whether by 22-plus miles per hour or 20-plus miles per hour, he has the most, like, two-to-one over McDavid. He's first in the league in every department. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's the fastest guy in the league consistently. Wow. All right, and the guy me. who gets to talk to about him tonight is Gary Galley, former NHLer, color analyst with Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada. He's getting ready for... The big guy, Nate the Dog, against the Montreal Canadiens. Gals, how are you, man? Thanks for joining us. Doing great, guys. Happy New Year. Okay, so where do we put Nate, uh, you know, this season so far when it comes to the impact he's had for his club? If he's if he's not leading an MVP voting in your mind up until this point, like, how close is he? I would think right now a lot of people have him as the Hart Trophy winner at this juncture of the season. Of course, there's a, you know half a season left to go here, but uh, he has been incredible. I mean, I think by definition of the Hart Trophy, the most valuable to his team, I think he would fit that. And I think most valuable in the league period, I think you'd have to look at him in the top one or two players there. So I think he's had a fantastic year. I think that uh, it's, I, I guess to say that it's not surprising me because he doesn't play. He's a, he's more of a straightforward player. He's a bit of a bull, but he's not a he's not a bull in a china shop like somebody who's just rambling around, a big guy banging around. This guy's got some incredible skill sets. Uh, his zero to sixty is is so quick, and he's powerful. and And because of all those attributes that he has, he's a tough guy uh, to contain. And he also uh, has the ability. Um, you know, to be, the, you know, the flavor of the moment. He can get it done, like in Toronto the other night. He can turn it up uh, very quickly, and this is a team that never feels like they're out of a game. They've got so many uh, game breakers on this team, and I remember having a conversation with Sidney Crosby a few years back, and we were talking about teams that, you know, we thought might be might be vying uh, for a Stanley Cup that year and teams that were good in the league. And when I mentioned a couple of teams, the one thing he would say to me was, I don't think they got enough game breakers there. And I think that's the one thing that sometimes we we forget that how big a game breakers, if you have a quite a few game breakers on your team, then you're a tough team to play against because it's a 60-minute game all the time. Because if you let down for a split second, a team like Colorado, I mean, they can dial you in like they did to the Leafs the other night. Gary, so you're uh, calling that game with uh, Colorado and Montreal. Montreal, I think, had a press conference today, sort of a halfway through the season checkpoint. Where are the Canadians are at, at this point? What can we expect from them? We haven't talked about them a whole lot on our show this season because they haven't been as competitive. What are your thoughts on the Habs? 
you know, I, I think we're seeing exactly what we thought we were going to see. I mean, yeah. this is a team that's, they're not going to give up. Uh, they're going to play hard. They're going to let the losses go. They're not going to let losses fester or a combination of losses fester. Um, I think Marty St. Louis has, uh, has, uh, has kind of become the guy that is has calmed his team down and said, okay, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, keep getting better. I think he's asking for more. But I think he also knows the limitations of his hockey club. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people were down on Slavkoski for quite a while. They thought maybe this guy should go down. Well, what does he do? He moves him on to the top line, uh, you know, with Caulfield and Suzuki and says, no, we're going to let the kid play here for a while. And he hasn't looked bad on there. He hasn't produced as much. But you know what? No one on that team's producing. And that is the biggest problem they have is they just can't seem to score enough goals. I mean, as of late, especially you know, they're just not putting the, you know, the, the puck in the net. And when you leave yourself with not scoring a lot of goals and you got to win two, one hockey games and three, two hockey games, those are difficult to do. And like I said earlier about game breakers, they don't have a ton of game breakers and a guy like Caulfield, who is a game breaker, his shooting percentage has dropped about four or 5%. So he is not scoring at the rate that he was scoring at or should be scoring at for the amount of chances that he gets. So I think, if, you know, if a few things change and, uh, shooting percentages go up and goaltending even gets a bit better. And I don't think the goaltending has been bad here, but three goalies rotating, I don't think's a great thing in my, you know, in my opinion. Uh, but I just think the scoring has been a, a big issue for Montreal. And that's not going to, I don't think going to get a lot better as the, as the season moves along. We're talking to Gary Galley, color analyst for Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, gals, when, when it t- comes to the Montreal Canadiens, I know they got Josh Anderson, but, do they need to get bigger? Well, if they're going to be small, I mean, you look at the New Jersey Devils, right? I mean, that's a lot of their star players are smaller size players. And it's been proven, and Marty St. Louis, the guy behind their bench, is living proof of it, is that you can play a lot bigger than your size. And if you're a durable player and you're, and you, and you're a productive player, it really doesn't matter how big you are. But um, I think that a lot of people would tell you that when you get into the the heart of playoff hockey and you get down to the to the you know the top four teams that are battling it out for the Stanley Cup you know they're big heavy strong teams that play heavy uh, they're hard to get through uh, you know neutral zones get you know battle zones and, and get won and lost and and sometimes size is a factor in those things um, but to me it's always been the attitude of the player more than the size of the player some players aren't big but their attitude is they think they're six foot five and they go into every area battling and uh, like I said, Marty St. Louis is one of those guys where I don't think he uses size as a reference to what he thinks or how a player is going to play. But, you know, I do think the Montreal Canadiens uh, would like to get a bit bigger. I, I would think that uh, every team wants to have big players who can skate. Uh, we all know that if you have a good sized team and that team's got some good motion in it, they're a difficult team to contain. So uh, I do think that I, I agree with you. I think they could use to get bigger, but um, I know that, you know, I watched the New Jersey Devils last year and they had a really, uh, real solid year and they're not a big team, but they are struggling a bit this year. And, and, and that could possibly be for a lot of reasons. But I do believe that, you know, a bit of size could help. Gals, the, uh, the other day we did a show and at that time, the top teams in the NHL were Vancouver and Winnipeg, which, you know, I don't know that going into the season, even their own fans would have called them top five or top 10 teams. Where are these good Canadian teams? And I include Edmonton and Toronto in that little bit too. 
Where do they stand among the league's best? Do we have some legitimate Stanley Cup contenders in the NHL this year? Amazing, isn't it? Like, yeah. I certainly didn't have Vancouver uh, and Winnipeg in the mix the way they are now. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think they weren't going to make the playoffs or they're going to be out of it by any means, but I didn't see them having this kind of success. I mean, you got to give, you know, tip your hat to Rick Tockett and the Vancouver Canucks management and the players for buying in. Like, you know, oftentimes you talk about, you know, what John Torrell has done in Philadelphia, what Rick has done in Vancouver, but you have to tip your hat to the players because, you know, when a coach comes in that, that you know, is, is strong in what they're trying to, to push to their team and get their team to play a certain style – and tell their team that you think you're playing up to your potential, but you're not. There's more there to give, and you're going to give it. Uh, you know, it, it, the team has to buy into that, too. And I think both teams, in Vancouver especially, has bought into that. They thought they were playing good hockey, or they thought they were giving it everything they had. But there was more in the jar, and Rick Tockett has pulled it out. And, man, they've made some really good uh, decisions in the offseason, acquiring uh, players that have made a difference in their lineup. And I think the Vancouver Canucks uh, and the Winnipeg Jets are, are in a good position uh, heading down the, the second half of the season to position themselves well uh, in, in the playoffs. And, and you know, when the playoffs starts, you guys, anything anything could happen. I mean, we've seen eight-seeded teams win, uh, get to the finals, and we've te- seen top-seeded teams uh, get punted early, right? So we certainly understand the playoffs <laughs> is a strange animal. But you got to get into the playoffs, which is a tough thing to do. The both of them are sitting good. Remember last year, Winnipeg, they were on fire. They were really challenging to win the division. And then all of a sudden, the bottom fell out of it. And and everything just fell apart there in Winnipeg. Um, I don't know what really was the cause of all of it. There seemed to be some internal stuff going on there. Um, maybe they've straightened all those things out. And a team that looks like they, they took things away got better, which is kind of crazy. For the Vancouver Canucks, they had all the pieces – but the pieces weren't gelling together and playing up to their capabilities. So both teams have found a way in different kind of avenues uh, to make their teams better and make them more productive and make them, you know, harder teams to play against. And I think it's, it's shown up uh, in the win columns and it's really nice to see. And we always talk about, you know, Edmonton and Toronto for, for, for good reason. The, you know, the players on those teams and the production that the players put forward on those teams you know, they're sexy kind of sports cars. And all of a sudden, you know, Winnipeg and Vancouver kind of snuck up on everybody. But it's really good to see uh, some Canadian teams uh, growing like that. It's a it's good sign and hopefully continued success for both those teams. Gary, when we look at a Rick Tockett or, or a Tortorella, there is a lot of people thinking that this old school mentality is done. The kids can't respond to it at all. They'll just want in one ear, out the other. And, you know, you think about Rick Bonus tearing a strip off the Winnipeg Jets at the end of the year and just saying the tough things that need at the time had to be said, at least from his perspective. And now you've got Craig Berube out there. I mean, does does that make it an attraction? Is what, what was old new again with these types of coaches and their styles still working in 2024? I think there's a place for everything. And and I I do believe, uh, you know, a lot of people sometimes think that the coaches are are a bit off the charts more than what they really are. I mean, I, I played for torts before in Buffalo and he was an assistant coach there. I know head coach is different, but got to know him really well. 
I know that he really, uh, you know, respects his players, but he pushes them hard. Rick Tockett, same thing. I played with Rick uh, as a player. I know Rick really well. I mean, he loves his players, but he's going to push them hard. And all the player wants to do is be uh, be honest. He wants everyone to be honest with him. He wants to be treated fairly. He wants everyone to be treated the same. And we all know in this game, not everyone is treated the same. You know, your star players can treat a little bit different than your understudies. But at the end of the day, if a coach can find a way to compress that, which is make the the you know the weakest link on your team and and the best player on your team, if you can compress that and make that seem like it's a lot tighter then the bottom guy feels more important and the top guy respects the bottom guy and then everything runs better that way. Uh, I mean, I, I played on teams in Boston with the Bruins for years like that and, and, and had a lot of success. So the success comes in, the, you know, in, in how your team looks at itself and how they respect one another as a pieces of a team and accept their roles and move along. So it, all different coaches can 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 get that to happen within their structure of their of their organization. Some coaches do it differently. Some some are more quieter. Some are more you know exuberant. Rick Bonus. I mean, who would have thought Rick Bonus would have come out and said the kind of things that he said? I've known Rick a long, long time. Very respected guy in the league. Um, for him to come out and say those things, you had to know that it had been bothering him for a while, and that he's seen this this show before. And he and, and even though uh, you know the they, they got through a round or this and that. He wasn't going to accept it. He wasn't going to let it lie like that. He wanted his players to know that uh, it wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. And uh, you look at them this year. They show back up. They made a few changes uh, to that team. And they know what the coach expects. And they know what they have to accomplish. And now they're going after it. I, I think the Hellebuck, you know, resigning and Shifley resigning, I think, made a that was a big, big, uh, you know, uh, thing for that organization and those players in that team that those guys chose to stay and be a part of it and chose to stay knowing Rick was there because uh, they really trusted him. And and you know what? He'll stand up for his team and any coach that stands up for his team. Uh, and I think Tockett and I, I, I think Tortorella and guys like that, they stand up for their team. They, they're right there for them. And I think the players know that. Uh, sometimes it gets a bit off the rails, but I think uh, if the players can handle that, uh, and if you're a guy that goes on the ice and does your job every night, then you have little to worry about. Uh, it's when you try to cut corners, that's when those guys will be in your grill. Guys, I want to get your sense about, you know, overreaction over the course of an 82-game hockey season. In the first hour, uh, for those people who didn't hear, we talked about the Maple Leafs and talked about Sheldon Keefe. You know, the the team has lost. They've blown uh, leads in three straight games, and here in Toronto, it's always like, okay, fire the coach. And, uh, you know, it sounds like overreaction, right? Sometimes things go well, sometimes they don't. But you also run the risk, if you call it overreaction, of being inactive and, and maybe missing an opportunity for change. Do you think you're better off to be too patient or to be too involved? You know, where do you fall on the spectrum? I look at Edmonton, who overreacted, but boy, they've been very good since, and maybe they made the right call there. Yeah, you know, and maybe a team with that good of players on it, and with the guys like Drysaddle and McDavid at some point, we're going to click their heels and it was going to take off anyway. Who, right. who knows, right? But but you got to look at it and say, they made the change. Things turned around. Fantastic. You look great. Um, you know, I look at the game, the Toronto game, and I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they blow another lead. But there's a difference to me in blowing a 4-2 lead or a 5-1 lead as opposed to blowing a 2-0 lead. Two, like, you know, I think 2-0 two, two is still a game that's, you know, well in striking distance. And, yes, it's a blown lead. 
Uh, but I, I don't know. I look at it a little differently in some cases. If you're going to win a game two to one or three to two and you blow a lead in there somewhere, you know, the other team, uh, you know, has good players. They're going to score goals. Uh, mistakes are going to be made. Uh, unfortunate mishap with the broken stick with, with Riley. I think Sheldon Keith's doing the right thing. He's trying to calm it down saying, look, yeah, I understand it was a, a bull lead, but you got to look at some of the things that happen. These things happen over an 82 game schedule. And, you know, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. But I think everybody's looking at the bigger picture saying these are a lot of blown leads and you can try to downplay it all you want, but it's another blown lead. And it's a team that if we think is a Stanley Cup, you know, uh, you know, top six or eight team that can vie for a Stanley Cup, you can't go around, uh, you know, blowing leads in games. It just you're just not going to win that way. And I think it just speaks more volumes to that. This team, although extremely talented in a lot of areas, is still inept in other areas, um, you know, and they're fragile in other areas. And I think those keep creeping up. And, uh, you know, there's always overreaction, knee-jerk reactions. You can imagine what's going on in Dallas today. I mean, there's knee-jerk reactions all the time. I always find it's the cooler head that prevails and takes a deep breath and doesn't make the decision right away, but may make the decision uh, eventually anyway but it uh, takes more time to think about it. It's like that minor hockey saying, right? The 24-hour rule, you know, something happens. Just wait 24 hours. I used to tell the parents on my team that I coached for 10 years of minor hockey, just give it the night before you come talk to me. And if you're still upset the next morning and you feel like it's something you want to talk to me about, then absolutely call me or, or come see me or whatever. But usually after 24 hours, you just settle down and, and everything kind of straightens itself out. But uh you know, I still think the Toronto Maple Leafs are a very good hockey team, and I still think that they're still a year or two away from maybe getting some of the pieces and getting a system in place that actually helps them, uh, you know, play with leads and helps them to protect leads and helps them to, you know, to be a little more, I think, a little more responsible uh, when they have the lead. I think that's the other thing, too, you know, is being responsible when you have the lead, playing the score, uh, you know, playing, the, knowing the team you're playing against, uh, I think sometimes they just more worry about themselves. And I know people say, well, don't worry about the other team, worry about yourselves. But I think you do have to pay attention to the small details of your opponent and what you have to do in order to defeat your opponent. And I think sometimes that maybe goes by the wayside a little bit. Yeah, and just to add to that, gals, before we let you go, I mean, a term that we've often used in an, uh, in an NHL dressing room is locking it down. So is does that speak now when it comes to blown leads, more of a psychological thing between your ears or a tactical thing? You have to have the confidence that you're, you're tactical, you're tactically, you know, sound in order to handle that. I mean, every team is going to blow a lead in a game and some teams blow more than others. I think a lot of it comes down to how strong mentally you are and how, you know, like when a goal gets scored, how does it affect your team? You know, really good teams just blow those off. Okay, it's a goal. It happened. It doesn't matter whether it was a fluky goal or the goalie made him uh, should have had it. It doesn't matter whether Riley's stick broke. Nothing matters. It's just a goal against. It's no big deal. That's it. You just turn the page and you go back to what you do best. You go back to your system. You go back to playing the way you're supposed to play. And the teams that play like that over the years have the most success. They don't get caught up in uh, you know the ups and downs of the game. They stay you know, very straight line, and they just keep bringing the same type of game over, over, over again, and over, 
the course of a season, they're going to have success that way. It's when your, your, you know, your mood swings are, so to speak, or your, your anxiety is going up and down all the time. Uh, that leaves room for, you know, multiple goals being scored on you. And then now you're, you're really, uh, you know, second guessing yourself. And then you're just, you're trying not to lose the game as opposed to just keep playing to win the game. And that saying has been around as long as we can, you know, you and you and I've been around, but it happens a lot. I mean, look at the Ottawa senators. I mean, that's a team that could be playing incredible, uh, outplaying a team for half a game. And then the second half of the game, a couple of goals get scored on them. And it's like, they don't even resemble the same team anymore. Uh, everyone just goes into their own little cocoon trying to figure out what they can do. And the team stops functioning as a team. Uh, you know, I think the teams that get scored on and just let it go and move along, get right back to business are the successful teams in the national hockey. League. Oh, I know one thing before I let you go, I wanted to ask you and we, we watched Jake McCabe a couple times this weekend. He had a bit of a tough weekend, uh, but leaving your feet as a defenseman, you played what almost 1200 games. When, what goes through a D's mind on a last resort, whether or not to leave their feet or, or not, is that, has that changed over the years, or is it just strictly uh, uh, intuitive of a, of a last-second desperate play? Uh, you know what? There's a lot of things that go in in a split second when a defenseman makes a decision like that. There's a lot of things running through your mind. I was really fortunate. When I broke into the National Hockey League in 84, uh, I played with Brian Englund, and Brian Englund was unbelievable at it. He had, you know, and... It's about sliding on the 45. It's about keeping your stick still in play. It's about the timing of the slide. Um, you know, the player that you're that is coming down. You, you have to have an. You know, is this guy uh, capable of? You know, you know, picking up what you're doing, jamming on the brakes, and making a real good play. You know, how tight can you get into him so that the puck can't be saucered over you, or it can't. You know, there's a lot of things that can come into it it's hard to explain the feeling that you have when you're going back it's a two-on-one it's happened quickly uh there's a breakdown you're taking it down the ice and you get to a point where you feel like if you slide and you extend your stick out that you're going to take away more of the ice it's like when you watch the the five-on-three penalty kill and the defenseman almost lies down because it's hard to saucer a puck over a body and have it land on the other guy's stick and then your goalie of course now is coming across following it it makes it more difficult. You make the player with the puck have to make a real good play, but your slide has to be timed well. And there are guys that do it very, very well, and there are guys that don't do it a lot. And when they do it, sometimes it doesn't look really good, and and sometimes that can happen. But uh, even though you slide, to me, it's uh, sliding on that 45 means you're still moving towards your net uh, at some point. Uh, your feet are moving towards your net, and you're still going towards the puck carrier at the same time. And that's taking away time and space as you're sliding. And it also uh, keeps you moving towards the net so that he can't go around you and find a lane behind you. So that's, those are important things uh, when you're sliding. But, yeah, leaving your feet. Pat Quinn used to, used to hate it, used to tell defensemen to stay on their feet, stay on their feet. But I think more and more defensemen over the years has developed that they feel like the slide is advantageous. And I personally agree there is a, there's a right time for it. Great stuff, as always. Uh, have a great call on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. It's the Montreal Canadiens, Colorado, Gary Galley. Thanks, pal. All right, thanks, guys. Take thanks, care. Thanks, gals. Appreciate it. Great stuff, as always. I love I mean, him, Adam Oates. Got guys with yeah. 11, 12, 1,300 games. I mean, 
listening to him. I, 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 I could listen to him talk about the slide. Yeah. Oh, I love, I mean, it is fascinating because there is a real art to it aside from kamikaze. Yeah. Yeah. Not the one that McCabe did. No. Uh, listen, he's, he's trying passionate. Um, just update on the bills. They are up 14, nothing, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are driving to uh, make it a 14, seven game. They're in the red zone. So, all right. All right. You know, uh, it's game time presented by bet. Three, six, five. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Now, I don't ever really gamble. Mm. I probably shouldn't say that on this, but I did a little bet on some NFL football yesterday, which lost, unfortunately. I did the same game thing with the Dallas Cowboys and all the actual stats hit, except the Cowboys winning. So that hurt. Yeah. Really hurt. But I made another bet, but it was the Detroit Red Wings to win. And Ilya Samsonov to have under 24 and a half saves. And you which is, snuck under. Which is the most disrespectful bet I've ever made in my life. <laughs> but I did it and it hit. And I won yeah. some money. So there you go. There you go, bet 365. Yeah. Um, and how many people lost on Dallas? Oh, a good number, I imagine. I, the Dallas thing to me, like, you know, there's cross-board parallels that people make about different franchises in different leagues. But there is no greater one than the Leafs and the Cowboys. The Leafs and the Cowboys is the most perfect parallel. Well, because both clubs make all the money in their respective leagues. Make the most money, most eyeballs, most airtime, tons of playoff failure. Like, it's a really uncanny. They wear blue and white. Yeah. It's a very uncanny. I remember, like, uh, I can't remember a Leaf yeah, championship. I know. Yeah. But we, we remember Dallas <laughs> See, Stars or Dallas Cowboys that winning in, yeah. in the last. Right. Since their last championship, which was on color television, unlike the Toronto Maple Leafs, <laughs> it, there's some parallels. Okay. Anyways, okay. Um, just looking ahead to tonight, uh, Flyers in St. Louis, minus 105. Watching a lot of Flyers hockey recently. Yeah. They play hard. They do. You're gonna, you make that bet, you're going to get an honest effort from them, like the Philadelphia Flyers there. And I also like the Colorado Avalanche, minus a goal and a half, plus 120 in Montreal. Yeah. They're very good. And ooh, Montreal is not very good. So Tortorella says the Flyers have cojones. They, are, they just play hard. They I do. like watching them play. That Drysdale looks like he's a pretty good fit. I saw him with a dog mask on yeah. the other day. So did you see that? No. They're, they're like player of the game belt or bucket or whatever. Oh, it's like a dog like mask. A dog. Yeah. yeah. Well, but they did it with uh, the Eagles for a while. So it's kind of a city thing. But anyways. Gotcha. Uh, that was Game Time, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19+. plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Uh, I just want to say I'm over, got that dog in him as a phrase. I love that. It's thing. just well beaten. I'm done now. But yes, it, it has been effective. It's had a, it had a good run. <laughs> Unfortunately, Borna, you don't have that dog in you. I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, quick break here and we return. We'll get into some news and notes around the National Hockey League, including a 47-year-old. That's the ECHL, bud. That isn't hey. the... That isn't, that isn't the NHL. No. I didn't say the NHL. <laughs> we said around the NHL. That's the ECHL. Yeah, we're around oh, it's all around. the leagues. <laughs> <laughs> it's right around it's the corner. The orbit of, yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, yeah. don't let the truth get in the way of a good lead-in <laughs> after the go. break. Sammy, your producer. What else have we got? We got uh, Pat Kane lost last night for yep. the remainder of the Leaf game. We'll give it a bit of an update there. And... Is it true the Ottawa Senators sent their goalie coach to the minors? Basically, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. All right. More Real Kipper and Bourne after these words. 
Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, going to break, we're talking about Terry Ryan on his 47th birthday. Yeah. Decides to play a pro hockey game. Shout out TR. Who doesn't love him? God, just a hockey legend, honestly. I, I will say right now, unabashed, I adore this man. Yeah. Big fan. Uh, I think he's nuts. Mostly because of his uh, wonderful portrayal as Ted Hitchcock in my one of my favorite shows, Shorzy. He's yeah. excellent in that. Kind of playing kind of himself. Just a little bit more of an exaggerated version of himself. Uh, he's been a great ambassador for the game for Hell Newfoundland. Yeah. He's, yeah. you know, he's the heart of a hockey and he player. he fought in the game. Yeah. It's incredible. He, and he wasn't there to mess to, around. To me, that's, a, that would be a little bit too risky for me. <laughs> I mean, I don't you, want to, like, you can't play in a pro hockey you game could and get seriously rap. hurt. Yeah, I think, and, you know, I think good you know. on him, man. Yeah. He, <laughs> he ended up at the bottom of the pile from what I saw, but does it really matter? Chucked a couple at age 47. Do you want to hear? Uh, we got a clip in there, Derek, uh, about a minute and 20 seconds. He got asked about how this all came to be. Do you want to hear him talk about it yes. in 18? Let her rip. All right, let's go. Growlers forward, Terry Ryan. So, Terry, uh, playing your first game in, uh, in an awful long time. We'll get into the game itself. First, just kind of tell us the story the last couple of days and how this all came to be. Who called who? Where were you? Give us the whole nine yards here. I was celebrating my birthday, which is today, but um, I figured Saturday night was better than Sunday. I came to watch this game yesterday because, well, I watch a lot of Growlers games, but some of the guys on that team are my best buddies, right? We go back a long time. Zach, Jordy, Marcus, you know, um, geez, Adam Daw, uh, Meller. So... Now, again, I still didn't see this coming. I was out. I was literally sitting at Blue on Water. My buddy Jason Brake's place went down. And to be quite honest with you, I never said it before, but I was probably five or six pints in. And Zach calls me. And I said, well, come on. Yeah, my birthday, whatever, April Fool's, click. And then Pards phoned. And I knew when Pards phoned, it's serious. I said, you tell me right now, because I'll go home. And I did. Pards said, I'm serious. I hailed a cab, went home. I'd say I drank four liters of water, had a bite to eat, and just, I went to sleep, tried to, it was broken sleep, very excited, and um, woke up and it was a reality. There you go. If you, okay, either the Newfoundland Growlers uploaded a 14-minute press conference of him talking about this. and I mean, he tears up, it's it's emotional. It's beautiful. Like, it truly is... It's hard to explain how incredible the it's. For, I I can't sit through a ten, two second TikTok, and I was locked in for fourteen minutes listening to this guy talk. He's an unbelievable guy. And the Growlers have an affiliation with Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, a lot Get of. He fought after Matthews got crushed. <laughs> oh yeah, he'd have done it. Buddy, I, why not take a look at him? <laughs> Give him Just a shot. Send one scout Give to him watch. A shot anyway. Uh, send the video. Yeah, but Just so, have a look. So. They've been having a lot of the punch. People were sick. They had injury issues. Well, and it's the coast. Like people get called up all yeah. the time. It's... And sitting at the bar, five beers. <laughs> Couldn't be a funnier way to get the this call. The up most forty-seven. That's I, the most Newfoundland thing I've ever heard. I've played an NHL game on multiple beers. 
Like you, the night before? No. Day of. Day of. <laughs> what? Oh, didn't you? Yeah, didn't think I you got. Were... I, I was told I was a healthy scratch, only to find out that Keenan at the last second didn't want Mike Hudson playing, who was the extra in warm up. He wanted me. As the extra. As the extra. And Eddie Olchuk was in a panic to find you me. You had a couple lunch beers. Yeah. <laughs> How'd it go? Yeah. <laughs> Game day lunch beers. My first shift, I threw up all my chili. <laughs> on the chili? Is it I had, a, I had chunks of chili in my Ranger NHL jersey behind the bench. How is that not in a frame behind me, that yeah. jersey right now? How do we not have one Kipper jersey in here? No. Do you own Come any? on, man. No. You don't? I have them. Bring one no. in, in please. Out loud. Please, uh, but one? yeah, maybe down the road. You know, shout, You've shout said out that to, four times already. <laughs> shout out to you know for for hey, on on there. Shout out to Mike Abbott to Newfoundland hockey in general. D- to Terry, Terry Ryan. you didn't get hurt. Most important thing. And there's a play from the game where he had a excellent chance to score. Like, the puck, he goes to the net. Puck kind of skips over his stick like he was right in front. Yeah. If he had a score. Oh, my God. That is just out of this world. But if, you, if you're listening, you have 15 minutes, I highly recommend go to the Growler's website or Twitter or whatever and watch him talk. It's a beautiful, eloquent, beautiful hockey Canadian. It's just common, by the way, in the East Coast League that someone from local yeah. from the area when you're out of guys who yeah. can play, and Terry can obviously play. Love it. All right, where do you guys want to go? Uh, Pat Kane leaves the game last night. Elliot said it wasn't uh, hip-related. Uh, someone mentioned me. He may have kind of wrenched his back a little bit. He got homeburned. Got leaned on. Yeah, I mean, twice. Holmberg yeah. pancaked him, yeah. and then he uh, kind of got yeah. tangled with him on the on the other end yeah. of the ring. But there's still a, a great belief that this guy's going to sign an extension there, and with he's Detroit. not going anywhere. It they, is they, too bad. They didn't, they didn't bring him in here so he could just bounce around again by March. No, he's been really good for them, so I'm not shocked that they would want to re-sign him, but, yeah, multi-years would scare you a little bit given recent injury history. Um, Speaking of contracts. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Jeremy Swayman um, oh, yeah. signed a contract. He went to arbitration this summer with the Boston Bruins. And well, what happened here, Sammy? He was asked about that. Well, this stems from his uh, the announcement that he will play in the All-Star weekend right. here in Toronto. Made the All-Star team. Right? And he made a reference towards arbitration, if I'm not mistaken, Sammy. Yeah, I'm just trying to dig it up here. Sorry. Um, but he was basically saying that, like, the process was really hard on him, and... I've got it. Got it in front of you here? Yeah. My computer's frozen here. He said, uh, it's really special. First and foremost, it couldn't have happened without the team in front of me. Blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, after dealing with what I did this summer with arbitration, hearing things that a player should never hear... Mm -hmm. It feels pretty special to be in this situation. Yeah, he hadn't let that go. People <laughs> going to arbitration, that sticks to some people's bones a little bit. I know, but it's been around forever. And like... Well, you don't think he should say that? Their job in arbitration, the team's job is to convince a judge why I don't want to pay you what... You're asking, right? where do you think they're going to get their evidence to prove it? But if they didn't believe the things they were saying, they wouldn't take them to arbitration. They must believe them a bit. So now your team is saying a bunch of crap about you. 
Was there anyone in Toronto that went through this process that could have that affected struggled their... emotionally <laughs> after that? Yeah. See, I, imagine I, I would. I, I have to go listen if, to why Kip thinks I'm a crappy host before the season. Yeah. If there's one lesson that's I starting to be I learned, know, but I don't have to. because he's not the first goalie to go down this path, mm-hmm. Samsonov. I don't know if Samsonov's publicly ever mentioned that. He didn't like what he heard in arbitration. You can't handle the truth. They think, told him he can't think, play under pressure is what I, they told him. Whatever they said, I don't know if it, come, if it came out publicly from Samsonov mm-hmm. or it's just people around uh, the story that are insinuating that he didn't like what he heard in arbitration and it's affected him. Right. So to be fair to Samsonov, I'm not sure he even led as much as we just heard from Swayman this week. Do you think this will affect his likelihood of staying in Boston? Well, why bring it up if it may not? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... The only thing I like could start... Would have shattered a relationship? I think there's a bitterness there, 100%. I mean, he's an RFA this summer, and they got Allmark for this year and next yeah, under but, contract. And- but, but Allmark's not the future. This guy's more the future than Allmark. You think they would tr- How old's him Allmark? trade Allmark? How old's Allmark? Allmark? 30? Oh, 30. Okay, and what's Swayman? He is he's 25. Big difference. Shout out Anchorage, Alaska while we're shouting out cool players. Okay. Yeah. Like it's, that five years tells you everything you need to know on which goalies should be. Yeah, 25 going to the All-Star game. They So, but he's not letting go right now. The only thing right now I'd suggest maybe to teams moving forward is if you want to take your number one goalie to arbitration. Uh, be careful. Be careful. They're sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> They're orchids. As, as a general part of the population? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think... Like I said, it's been around forever. Like, the Boston Bruins took Ray Bork to arbitration, if I'm not mistaken, and they didn't have some great Does things to say Does the player not have him. the option to just plug their ears and go la, 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 la during the whole process and just let them... Yes. Oh, I think know. they do. At yeah. what point did they take Ray Bork to arbitration? They're like, oh, man. He's 19 all-star teams. Man, you, only had, you only had 66 points in 65 games <laughs> yeah. last year. Yeah. You got to jump it up. You're yeah. only plus 21. God, he had some absurd seasons, Ray Bork. Let's stay on goalies and talk about Ottawa. Okay. Um, what's the deal, Sammy? So, my understanding is that they are 32nd in save percentage in the NHL, and Zach Bierk has been their goalie coach. And I don't want to say he's been sent down, but he's been named a development coach now, which is kind of send downy. And no. Justin Peters is being named the goaltending coach. Okay. Can I stop yeah, you there? Please do. Okay. It's not kind of been sent down. It's you're fired. But he didn't get fired. Yeah, he, he did. They yeah. just didn't announce it. <laughs> okay. So they're like, we're going to pay you through the end of the year. Yeah. You know how many times... You're a scout now. Yeah, you're a scout now. Yeah. Yeah, you're not. You're just home going home, probably. The end of the year. That's, that's, that's how Total I guess. read We're it. Guessing. Yeah. That's, I don't know. That's how I'm telling you yeah. it's worked in the past how, with how reassigning you- uh, a, a GM... Uh, Whatever. We, we're still paying you. Yeah. Old Zach, he's going to be pretty sour at Corpus Allo. Thanks a lot, bud. Yeah. Hey, can you, you get making a couple five of kicks? Five mil a year. 
So for, you're the he's the problem. Forsberg's yeah. out for a month yeah. now. Yeah. The groin. Yeah, it's something, and he's not. So and now he's been you're their down to and Sogard. I think they they've got called up here, mm. but the. Uh, Corpus Allo's been a disaster, guys. Brutal signing. Well, at least his contract's... Oh, never mind. What is it? Three more years? Yeah. yeah. Just double-checking that. It might be four more years. Yeah. Um, hey, Sid, two more goals. Four Sid. more years. Four more years? Yeah. There's a five-year contract? Yes. Yeah. This year plus... Yeah, four, four times more. five. But that was... Five that was, years that times was, four that was, Oh, okay, okay, okay. That was Pierre Dorian signing, was it not? Yes. He's there now. One way or to other. Sid? Sid, our, two goals. Our, uh, weekly, our weekly Sid. Three-nothing three final yep. against Seattle. Yep. Ended their nine-game uh, winning streak, the, the Seattle Kraken. Pitt is sniffing around the standings, fellas. I believe they're a point out of the wild card spot now. Getting, getting tight down there. Yeah, they're one point behind Detroit and Tampa, who, by the way, are uh, two points behind Toronto. <laughs> so things are real tight. Montreal, Kent Hughes had a uh, mid-season, I guess, uh, yeah. review with the media mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Anything come out of it? You mentioning uh, yeah, their so goalie they, situation? Yeah, he said that he they may not trade any other goalies. Okay. Which is... Yeah. <laughs> okay. We may not trade any of yes. them, guys. Yeah. We and have we, three goalies and we're not good, and people want these goalies. So we'll not trade them. And that we may not trade like Monaghan now too. Yeah. So this is all posturing from a GM looking to drive up prices, presumably, which is drive good them up. I got news for you. They're up. Are they? Yes, they're up. For Jake Allen? Pieces are very, very expensive. I feel like that's the case this time of year. Yeah. Until, you know, it's the last week yeah. or so but, that you but go. only desperate teams trade now and there's a price for you being desperate it's called overspending but this is the stupid thing about teams so let's say you wanted to do something like the price wasn't more a month ago presumably like it's all kind of there's a high price yeah. until prices start to go down so if you haven't made your move yet my point is you should make moves in november and december when everyone yells at me and said wait for the deadline Anyway, yeah, we well, have the extra. You're, yeah, you're able to sell the extra time. Yeah, where it's like you have them for X amount of Most time or whatever. Of the year. Yeah, like when they did with Zadorov, I guess. When was that? When they traded him? Early. Yeah, yeah early. Great trade. Yeah. Worked out great for Van. And yeah. the only way, like all decent seventeen to twenty-two minute defensemen that may be available out there, they're all first round picks right now. Plus, really, and. David Savard's going to be oh, first-rounder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The only question is, can you sneak a first to a second by the trade deadline? Right. And if it's a second, can a second be a third? That's all you're buying time for yeah. is to get that, that extra pick above the 32 right. that you may have to accept at the trade deadline. All right. Um couple of quick things for me. Yes. Uh, just checking in on our beloved Buffalo Bills. They are now up 21 nothing on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Josh Allen just ran one 52 yards to the house back in uh, so real who, Josh who, Allen. Who will the Bills play next? Uh, Casey Kansas will City? go to Buffalo next week in Ooh, the AFC Divisional round. Buddy. 
That sounds fun. That is as good as it gets. That's what we all deserve as football fans. This weekend, stonk. Did I games. see a Bills fan jump off like a 15-foot snow? Yeah. Yeah. Onto um, a flaming table. <laughs> <laughs> not just a regular old table yeah, on fire. Just a small that little is, fire they had on it. It's that awesome. is quite the snowbank. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, other what news, else? we got um, Val Nakushin going into the player assistance program for Colorado. I believe his uh, maybe he had been there the year I, before. I'm not sure. But either way. So well, he had that episode, away. didn't he, in the playoffs? Right. Mm-hmm. So he'll be away for a little while for them. Um, still no updates on Corey Perry. Doesn't sound like. We have any news to report on that? Yeah, front? it just uh, again it it for certain markets this is going to be a very uh, a tough decision for him, his family, what market they want to go into, how many questions they want to answer. That's still very much in play, from what I hear. And um, Rick Bonus, Peter Laviolette, uh, Montgomery, and Tockett are the All Star Game coaches. Yeah, and they all get to. Um, have the input of uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah, and they can all lean on Biebs for strategy advice. Yes. Biebs. Do you hear that? Yeah. I'm, I got it right this time. I am disgusted by the jerseys. I can't believe that we're lowering ourselves I, I just to can't this. believe we're not over the 90s. Like, isn't that so him done? and Matthews are in on this together. They're going to be. Yeah, great. Yeah. They're, great. they're partners. Just, just what we need. You're getting old. Uh, quick shout out to Andy McKee, my dad. Happy 69th birthday today, old hey. man. He's an old trout. Happy Love the guy. Birthday. Nice. Yeah, there you go. Okay, and uh, our thanks to Gary Galley, who joined us earlier in the program. Thanks to all of you. Once again, if you get a chance, give us a rating and review. We'd love your feedback on The Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Enjoy your action tonight, and we're back tomorrow.